0: Hope you're doing well. Uh, If you haven't met me, my name's Peter, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, We're going to work our way through Malachi over the next uh, number of weeks. I I want to start this morning with an observation about relationships, which I've learned over the years, and it's actually the way that all healthy relationships operate. If you want to do genuine, genuine relationship with another person, then you need to know and relate to who they truly are right? Pretty, pretty straightforward, right? Um, I mean, sometimes people want someone to be a certain way when they're not, or they imagine them to be a certain way. Uh, you, you can relate to them and act in a way toward them like they're a certain way when they're not. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you want to do normal, natural, genuine, healthy relationship with them, then you need to relate to who they truly are, It's actually essential for being in right standing with them uh, relationally, and and connected to this uh, is this reality: Uh, the other person is primarily responsible for communicating who they are. All right, these you probably don't think about these, but these are just very basic uh, kind of rules of the way that relationships actually work. Now there's other sources of information about people, but this is the main one. Like you can watch their body language, you can watch the way they interact with others, you can can watch the things that they actually do. But the most common way of understanding who a person is, is they tell you who they are. So uh, about a year ago, a little bit bit more, my mate Kurt was uh, up here at the church and I wanted to introduce him to someone. And um, so I introduced him to someone and for those, you know, my mate Kurt, when he preached here, he's got Parkinson's disease. So I introduced him to someone in the church. I said, "Um, this is my mate Kurt, he's got Parkinson's, right? Now, I didn't know at the time, but he didn't like that, right? Uh, and, And there's a good reason for it, right? It was just, it was a clumsy introduction. And so later on, because we're good friends, he said to me, I don't like it when you introduce me like that right and he wasn't all intense about it he just wanted to tell me and so in that moment when he's saying i don't like it when you introduce me like that he's telling me something about him and so then i'm actually in the position where i can adjust to that or not if i decide i'm not going to adjust to that then that's going to be a problem for the relationship do you see that it's just it's just natural to the way that relationships work Um, And and you just seem to know that God does this over and over and over and over through scripture. He tells people who he is because knowing who God is is critical to relating to him properly. That's the bottom line. And and Malachi does this same kind of thing with Israel in the opening chapter of his book. The Israelites are the ones that were in covenant with God. and, And a covenant, as I said last week, is a relationship with him and, and what's going on in in the book of Malachi is in particular in the first chapter is that the people's view of who God is is actually way out of whack with who he actually is and as a result their relationship with him was in a mess like a big mess um, so we're going to have a look at that today and uh, I'm going to run through three things today and, and it's pretty straightforward uh, first point is going to be great The second point is going to be not great, and the third point is going to be greater than great, all right? So we're going to do great, not great, greater than great. Let's hook in. Great. I want to start off this morning by saying God is great to you, but I hesitate, all right? And the reason why I hesitate is because the chances are that some of you had a great dinner last night, all right? All right? Um, some of you got in your car today and you go, "This, this is great. It's a great car." <laughs> right? Um, maybe you watched your sporting team in the last week somewhere, and maybe they were playing overseas, playing in Australia, and you thought that team is is great, or that individual is great, or or maybe you went and had gelati last night, and, and you went, "That ice cream is, it's great." right um we, almost anything can be great can't it almost anything and and so what's the problem with that well i'll tell you what the problem with it is is we just live in a culture that loves using superlatives right a superlative is an adjective or an adverb which expresses the highest or very high quality of something <clears throat> it was an awesome effort it was a great moment it was an outstanding display and 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 so in a sense we live in a culture where everything's awesome i mean that's a lego movie right uh everything's everything's great and and i'm i'm as guilty as anyone else but the the problem with using superlatives all over the place is that when you meet something that is truly great you got no words left because you just used them all to describe ice cream and cars and dinner last night You with me? Um, This is especially the case when it comes to God. But I'm just going to push through, right? And I'm just going to say it. Uh, God is great. He's great. It's a very, very fitting word for God. It means ability, quality, eminence, above average. In Hebrew, it, it has the idea of a state of honor, glory, high status, uh, the uh, the idea of honouring God in in uh, the Hebrew language is, is about weightiness that God's kind of kind of weighty um, that that if God is great then He is the, the 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 great one the 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 weighty one and you can see that Malachi opens up his book with this in in verse five um, and, and this in some ways I think frames. The whole book of Malachi, you will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord even beyond the borders of Israel. Uh, you can see it at the end of this chapter. Um, I am a great king, God says at the end of chapter 1. It's a key thing, theme that runs through the whole uh, book. And, and you get here to verse 5 and what's come before that? Well, what's come before that is God is big and he just raises up nations and he puts nations down and he does as he pleases. He can order world events um he's great he's one of high honor glory and status and here's the bottom line folks if you want to be in relationship with him you need to relate to him in accord with who he truly is and he is great hence one of the opening metaphors of malachi in verse six A son honours his father and a slave his master. If I'm a father, where is the honour due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. He has appropriate honouring which ought to happen from one person to another. And here's the bottom line. um, Australia's a very uh, egalitarian society. It's a a very flat structure and anyone who sticks their head up, uh, we like to cut them down so everyone kind of stays flat but but there is an appropriate honouring that is meant to happen from one person to another. Uh, and it isn't about um, horizontally between people. It isn't about whether people are, are equals or not. But when it comes to God, I just want to say this to you. We are not equals. We, we are not equals. As I said before, the Hebrew word that's translated honour here in verse 6 uh, has to do with Weight. And God is the supremely weighty one. He's the great one. And, and we need to relate to him with that in mind. And so what's going to happen in Malachi chapter one is this, this honoring, this greatness of God, this respect that's due to God is going to come into question with regard to the priests in Israel. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, the, the purpose or the uh, the role of the priests was to operate in the temple. Um, God, God's presence was in the Holy of Holies and to, to represent the people before God. And so I want you to hear this, that the priests of all the Israelites were the people that were the nearest to God, right? Um, and they were responsible for overseeing all of the offerings that happened in the, in the temple, the whole burn offerings, the grain offerings, the peace offerings, the purification offerings, the guilt offerings, and there's a reason why the priests are taken the task in this chapter. And, and here's, here's the principle. And it do, this doesn't just apply to priests. This applies outside of priests as well. And I'll explain that in a moment. But uh, when it comes to God, the closer you are to him, the more careful you need to be. Right? You, you just need to be careful. And so uh, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, back in... Um, book of leviticus leviticus chapter 10 they offer they get really near to god and they offer something to him that they shouldn't and they get smoked by god and they get killed on the spot right because when you get really really near to god you need to be really careful and so then god says this in leviticus 10 verse 3 he says among those who approach me i will be proved holy in the sight of all the people i will be honored now, this, is, this principle of the closer you are to God, the more careful you need to be, it is something that operates in the context of God's holiness. But I want to say to you, it operates in the context of every single relationship, right? It's actually a relational principle that the closer that you are to someone, the more careful you need to be about how you relate to them, right? It's just how it works and it operates in this building, right? There's a whole bunch of you that don't even know the names of it, a whole bunch of other people, right? And I'll tell you, you don't really care that much about what they think about what you do because you're not that close to them, right? But if you formed a friendship with them, you got closer and closer and closer, you would become more and more and more careful about how you interacted with them. I mean, the closest relationship that exists on the planet uh, between humans is is marriage. And i tell you something, you just... If you want to be really near to one another, you need to be really, really careful with one another. Way more careful than the person behind the register at 7-Eleven. Right? It's true, right? In super close relationships, you need to be super careful. And so there were these rules that the priests had about, um, and the people of Israel, these rules that the priests had and the people of Israel had about coming near to God. The rules about sacrifices. Here's a key one that Malachi is going to talk about. This is back in Deuteronomy 15. If an animal has a defect, is lame or blind, has any serious flaw, listen to this, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. You were to eat it in your own towns, both the ceremonially unclean and the clean may eat it, as if it were a gazelle or a deer. What's, what's the law? Listen, if you've got a dodgy animal, you can eat it. Just don't give it to God. There's no issues with you eating it. Now, here's the question. Why this law? Well, it's very straightforward. Um, because what you give to God speaks volumes about what you think of Him. You know, that? What you give to God speaks volumes about what you think of Him. So, if God is... The greatest what do you give him give him the best don't you and if if you don't give him the best you actually say something about what you think of it it, it it's pretty straightforward i mean we we all know this right? um because we've all received dodgy presents and i know what i'm talking about and like dodgy presents because people don't care that much about you. You go, oh, I don't even bother. Don't, don't even bother giving me something if you're going to give me that. And it's not even that the, the good or the service maybe that you've got a voucher for is not helpful or good. It, it, it's just like you, you don't even care about it. You're saying something to me by giving me this. Saying something about me. Now, I used to be a, um, a manual arts teacher, woodwork teacher. And uh, there was this group of people in uh, the States, mainly, uh, called the Shakers. Anyone ever heard of the Shakers? And, and they, they actually um, created a whole style of furniture. And so if you're a woodworker, uh, you would know, and you know a bit about woodwork, you would know about the Shaker style of furniture. And that's an example of it on the screen there. Um, you know, it was said of the Shakers that every piece of furniture needed to be good enough for an angel to sit on it. So you could go to a shaker chair and you could tip it upside down and it would be good, as good underneath as it was on the top. It's not like going to mart, you know, where you, you pull a bit of fabric back and you go, oh, my word. And they had their eyes open for the front bit and for the back bit they put a blindfold on, right? Not with the shakers, right? Because a chair had to be good enough for an angel to sit on. There, there was no carelessness where people couldn't see it it was high class the quality of what was created reflected in their mind it's possible use now if you had to look at the way the people of Israel saw God then what would you conclude about what they think of him not great wouldn't you not great He's just not that great. Here's the evidence. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. This, folks, this is personal. This is personal. It's, it's not even probably second or, or third best. It's like last best right and then you can see down the bottom there someone's like cheating right because they're saying i'm going to give you the best and then they swap it out at the end you can see it gets personal in uh, six to seven of malachi one you pre-show contempt for my name contempt is when you do something which communicates something or someone is bad or is of little value um and when, when god says here you show contempt for my name the category of name is like the whole person it's, it's the the whole person's character who they are but you ask how have we shown contempt for your name by offering defiled food on my altar but you ask how have we defiled you can you see that it's 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 got a personal connotation to it the way that they've done their sacrifices has polluted stained and defiled if you could in some way god himself right now some of us here just go oh man like sucks to be a priest right he's really getting after him right Uh, and and he was god was getting after the priest but before you kind of out the priests too much where do you reckon they got the sacrifices from Regular people. That's where they got them from. Why why do you think the priests are sacrificing the blind and the lame? It's because the people brought blind, lame sacrifices to give to God. And and you can even see um, in verse 14 there cursed is a cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it. I don't think God's talking about the priests at that point, he's talking about the regular Israelites. That's what he's talking about. And I want, I just want you to hear this today. And some of you, Pete Pete didn't have much sleep last night. Right? But does Malachi 1 say this stuff? Here's the bottom line. Everyone's implicated. Right? I want to say to you this morning, what you give to God says something about what you think of him. It It always does. It always does. You know what it always does? Because it does with anyone that you give a gift to or anyone that you serve. The way that you serve them and, and, and the gift that you give to them says something about what you think of them. And the people had fallen into a place where they didn't care about God anymore and the evidence was really clear. And and they're kind of living out the reality of of that that quite famous quote that um, hate is not the opposite of love, apathy is. Being disinterested, unenthusiastic, not caring. And here's the freaky thing about it, I reckon, in Malachi chapter 1, is it actually snowballs have a look at this in verse 12 to 13 but you profane the temple by saying the lord's table is defiled now i'm just going to stop there who made the lord's table defiled the people did right and now they're complaining about how it's defiled do you see that and its food is contemptible, and you say, "What a burden!" And you sniff at it contemptuously," says the Lord Almighty. This this is like wild, right? The people who are offering the dodgy sacrifices are the ones that are complaining that the temple has become dodgy, right? It's kind of like they're complaining that the temple's lame, and they were the ones that made it lame. now i'm i'm very happy today all right i just am i'm not i'm not cranky i'm not upset but but this is just one of these things it's like we just need to be attentive to the lord and that that's why we're doing this series now and and it, it, you probably just put your seatbelt on for a minute because it's just going to get a little bit probing here Uh, for a minute from me and I'm not I don't mean to be irritating but I do mean to help you to be attentive now I think the church sees this kind of thing all the time people come along they don't serve in the place they don't make an earnest contribution then they complain about the church and then they leave right I'm I'm okay with that you know, God's not okay with that, <laughs> all right? I understand that that's our roles in the church. In a sense, I'm not okay with it, but they, they complain, people complain about what they're not contributing to. They complain about something that they're giving a half-hearted contribution to. They complain that the thing that they're part of is pathetic and they should actually be adding to it to help it to go really, really good. It, it's actually ridiculous. And, and I, people who do that, I go, you're actually part of the problem. Because that, that's the story here, is, is that they're actually part of the problem. In fact, in verse 12 to 13, they're, they're almost all of the problem. Now, what you've got in, in uh, Malachi chapter 1 is that the people, are, their self-knowledge is terrible. They're, there's a whole bunch of really important things that they're just not seeing that they're doing. They're, like They're clueless, right? Um, and, and you can even see the, the clueless kind of nature of where they're at in the way that the prophecy is actually being played out. You know, it's, it's not just like a sermon, it's like Q&A a bit. That's right, it's, it's like at the start of Malachi chapter 1, it's, God says I've loved you but you say how have you loved us and you have this Q&A kind of um, response um, going backwards and forwards, it's, it's quite conversational. Um, so I want to take a few moments to just make it really, bring it in really close to all of us um, I, I want us to take a moment um, to do an accounting uh, of your own life and, and what, what it says about what you think of God. I mean, that's, that's what Malachi is doing, right? It's going to ask you four questions. And they come straight out of Malachi chapter 1. Here's the first one. Do you maintain a personal posture of giving your best to God? Now, I'm going to relate it to church because um, I think that's the closest thing. I mean, the New Testament talks about the church as the temple of God and Malachi is talking about what people are doing with respect to God and the church. So let me ask you these questions. Just to get you reflecting on this question here. Do you serve in the church? Do you? If you don't serve in the church, why aren't you serving in the church? Scripture is clear that you've been given gifts. serve people in the church God's great and it's just so right and appropriate to serve the Lord isn't its it, Is it can, can anyone at this point give me an amen amen, amen. It's, it's good and it's right to serve the Lord it's always been good and right to serve the Lord if If you serve in the church, what attitude do you bring to serving in the church? Now, I'm I'm not saying this to rouse on anyone. I don't have anyone in my mind. But what attitude do you bring to serving in the church? I have heard over and over and over in church like pastoral circles where people say this. They say, Paid staff are better for the church and volunteers because people will do things for money and will be more consistent than a volunteer because they're not getting any money. Now, I think there's a function with staff where they get more time, they've, got, they've just got more freedom and I understand that people... Are, there's more to serving the Lord than just being in the church, right? But, but I don't know. Are you uncomfortable with people saying those things? I am. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Ah, geez. I'm going to get run out of town today. But, but we'll have a good time while we're doing it. Uh, What about your money? I mean, we're going to get to this in a few weeks, but does God get the first cut? Who who gets the first cut? And what size cut do they get? Or does God get the dregs? Let's move on. That's one. That's one question. Number two. Uh, have you ever been bored at church? My question for you, following up on that one, if you have been bored at church, is to ask you this question, whose fault is that? Now, you may or may not know this, but it actually wasn't that long ago, historically, that boredom was considered to be a sin, right? Right? if you were bored it wasn't a problem with a lack of stimulation around you you had a problem because there was plenty of stuff that was interesting that you could engage with it was a problem with you now in our culture we go "Oh, i'm just really bored i find this church really boring i find this sermon boring maybe some of you are thinking that right now let's go this is a really boring sermon and i'd say i'm sorry right but there's a good whack of that problem that you've got right now which isn't actually my problem Now, it is my responsibility to engage and to teach the Word and to connect it to everyone and to do the best that I can. And my apologies when I fail at that. But my father always said to me, when I sat in in churches my whole life, for 50 years, he said to me, he said, if the sermon's boring, get your Bible out and read it. Find something that's interesting and engage yourself in the Lord and what he's saying. So yeah, I've got myself out of order now. I'm going to go back to the second one. The third one was: Have you ever been bored at church? Second one: Have you ever given your second best to God? Have you? When was the last time? How common is it? Where can you see a that'll do attitude in the way that you serve the church? I mean, this is... Remember early in the, early in the chapter of Malachi talks about these diseased and lame animals and he says, try offering that to your governor. I mean, here's a good measure for you. Do you... You put in as much effort, at least as much effort in the church as you do at work. Do you? Number four. Have you ever committed to give your best to God but then backed out and gave him less than your best? You done that? Can you think of an example? I'm not going to go on. There you go. You can take your seatbelt off. But I am going to leave you with a summary question. Because these four questions and what God says to Israel through Malachi, in Malachi chapter 1, they all beg this question, I think. If God is not getting your best, then who is? We're going to have an interlude here. I mean, uh, where's Chris? Chris Greason, can you come up, mate? Um, I've got a third point, and we're going to. We're going to finish on the up. All right. But I feel like uh, um, there's something that we need to do before we go to that next point because um, you're actually going to have communion after that too. Um, I, I think some of us need to repent. Just need to say sorry to the Lord for offering him substandard stuff for not serving, for, for not having the right attitude when you serve. For... And so chris is just going to play some film and he's actually going to play the song all hail king jesus and um i, I just i just want us to ask you can just pause and reflect and, and pray um and you just got freedom to do what you feel like you need to do to express your honor of the lord and his greatness so uh you can sit in your chair and um you can pray, you can just close your eyes and pray quietly or if you feel like you need to stand for a moment or two and pray as some kind of physical thing or perhaps even uh, get down on your knees where you're sitting when you pray, uh, you're welcome to do that too. The next bit's going to be good but if you actually haven't done some business with God, if you've been short of the mark, you just, you're just you going to miss the next bit. Um, if you feel like you need to confess something to someone else in the place because that's going to help you do that but but we'll just take two or three minutes four minutes just have this little interlude um, and then we'll sing the chorus a couple of times of all hail king jesus um, and then we're going to move into grace god's kindness and his grace toward us but Turning away and confessing always comes before you get the grace. That's, that's just how it works. Okay? Take a couple of minutes. I'll be back with you in a couple of minutes. I wonder, uh, I wonder if you stand, because uh, I'm just going to lead, ask corporately in a prayer of confession and repentance to the Lord. is not one person in this room that has consistently given to you what you deserve. It's not one person who has honoured you, respected you, and served you completely in the way that you ought to be honoured, respected and served. And so we together Acknowledge that before you right now. We confess that. We're sorry about it. And we want to do better. Would you please forgive us? Here's, um, here's where we're going to end. Greater than great. Now, all this talk of what I've been saying is likely leading some of you up the garden path. Uh, Some of you are probably thinking about what you need to do for God. You're starting to think about your to-do list and how you're going to get things straightened up. And there's an expression of that. Um, But I don't want you to end up up the garden path. Um, I I want you to see something. Because if you respond to the kind of things I was talking about in the second point there about us... Uh, doing things and and acting toward God and serving him in ways that says that he's not great and you make it all a task thing that you've got to go and do a whole bunch of things you're just going to get it wrong right because the issue in Malachi chapter 1 isn't that people are fundamentally getting tasks wrong there's another problem that's actually going on Uh, you, you cannot do stuff to make yourself acceptable to God And when you have a really kind of intense kind of middle point like we've had today, that that will be one of the places you'll go. It's like, I've got to work harder now. I've got to do all this stuff to get myself into line because this is just not good enough and God's not going to accept me. And, And I just want to warn you, don't go down that track. Don't go down that track because as a fallen human, you just cannot do things that will make yourself acceptable to God. It doesn't work like that. You can do things that will please God, but you can't do things that will make yourself acceptable to Him. You cannot do good things that erase the bad things that you've done. It doesn't actually work like that. So I just want to back up and and ask a couple of more questions to help you to see what's going on in Malachi chapter 1. Here's the first one. Does God need the perfect unblemished sacrifices? It's not a trick question. Does he need them? No, he doesn't. He doesn't need them. They're not some kind of benefit to him. I mean, you go into Psalm 51, David's Psalm, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he says this in verse 16, you do not delight in sacrifice, or so I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. You know, d- does God need what we have to offer him? Absolutely not. He doesn't need it. doesn't need it why because he owns everything anyway like if you if you um want to approach this whole thing of dealing with the problem of malachi one as though you've just got to do a whole bunch of extra things for god you're like a kid that gets 30 dollars from their father to buy a father's day present that's all it is like he could could have just gone and bought the thing himself anyway it's not even a thing Here's the second question that kind of takes us a little bit further. What do you think God actually wants? If he doesn't want the stuff, if he doesn't want the service, if he doesn't need the service, what does he actually want? You know what the answer is? You. (laughs) That's what he wants. He wants you. This is what Psalm 51 goes on to say in verse 17. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, heart you, God, will not despise. And this is the point of Malachi chapter 1. The people were keeping the best for themselves and giving the dregs to God. It wasn't personal, it wasn't relational. And, and that's why in Malachi chapter 1, God says, I wish you'd just shut the doors of the temple. Because they're coming and they're offering this stuff, but their hearts are not actually for him. And he goes, I don't even want them. If you're going to do it like that, don't even give it to me. Sacrifices and offerings like that are meaningless to him. They're worse than meaningless. But you see something, and I want you to hear this. When you give your best, when you give something that really costs you, do you know what you're doing? You're giving something of yourself to the other person. That's what you're doing. You, you're taking something which is precious, a piece of yourself, and you're giving it to them in the gift, and you're telling them in that moment what you actually think of them. That's what you're doing. Now, that is richly personal and richly relational. Are you with me? This is why... Mums and dads have got some of the ugliest things that their kids have made and they put them on the windowsill and they go, that is awesome. Why? Because the kid made it. Because the kid invested themselves into it at whatever age they were, they invested themselves into it and it's not just a thing, it's actually something of the child that's been given to the parent and that's what it's like when you give your best to god but there's a problem right and 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 just let me just throw the problem in here is that god's a great king he's a holy king and we we aren't and and so you got this problem now where you just go how's that gonna go when you've got a a fallen sinful person who wants to give themselves to a righteous holy god and the short answer is probably not well (laughs) right it's probably not going to go well You see, we don't just have a problem with what we give to God, we have a problem with who we are. I mean, we could kind of say, I want to give myself to God, it's like, oh dude, you probably shouldn't go into his room, looking like that. And this is where we see this, that, that God is actually greater than great. And we see these hints throughout Malachi chapter 1 that there's going to be a coming age where things are going to be different. The Messianic age, when the Messiah actually comes, that there's, verse 11, there's going to be pure offerings and the nations, not just the Jews, are actually going to know of God's greatness and offer these pure offerings. Now, there are religions in the world that have this line. God is great right and we've all heard them and and in a sense at the start of malachi chapter one we got the god is great line because he's big he can raise people up he can put people down he's he's the greatest but i want to say something to you that there is something about the christian god there's something about jesus which is greater than great have you ever had um, this experience where you, you, perhaps you follow a favourite sports star or some kind of famous uh, celebrity um, who's just got an incredible talent? Uh, maybe they're great with the ball, maybe they can play sport, maybe they can run really fast, maybe they're, they're good at the arts. And, you know, somehow, somewhere along the lines, the press finds out about this person and the fact that they have actually quietly been sacrificing themselves to serve underprivileged, unfortunate people. Have, 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 can you think of a, a time where you've heard of that? And do you know what you think at that moment? You know what you think? Oh, they were great, but they've just gone to a whole nother level now, Right? They've gone to a whole nother level and I want to say to you that this is what God's like. You know, the, the celebrity, the sports person, has got these great physical talents but why, why do they go to a whole level? Because there's a character thing about them that you didn't know about. You just go, oh man, that is, that is something else. You know, it's not just God's size and power which makes him great. You know what makes God greater than great? That he gets low and he lifts people up. And I want to say to you, no other God does this. No other God does this. If you're a non-Christian and you're here today and you're not a Christian, you just need to know no one else does this. i tell you something, Allah doesn't do it. Allah does not get low and lift people up. When we can't muster up offerings which make us acceptable in our own right, when we can't offer ourselves to God in a way which is acceptable to a great holy king what does he do well he stoops down and he takes on human flesh and he gives himself to the father on our behalf he is the perfect son and on the cross his death on the cross he purifies us and offers himself to the father as a perfect offering and he's the ultimate sacrifice you know god in malachi chapter 1 uh, it says i wish that they just shut the temple doors and i want to say to you this morning um, that jesus shut the temple doors you, there's no other sacrifice that's needed anymore and it, it came in the form of the curtain in the temple being torn in two you don't need to go in there anymore there's no other sacrifice that needs to be made for you it's all been done you find out about that in the book of hebrews too So you're not up against it when, when you're serving the Lord. <laughs> you don't need to be nervous about what you give or, or, um, or who you are when you're giving yourself to Him. You just need to go all out for Him. You know, the death of Jesus on the cross purifies you. It makes you clean. It makes you perfect in God's eyes. So, and when you serve Him, His death on the cross purifies perfects everything that you offer to him so there's nothing that's going to stop the lord from saying that is so good (laughs) when you offer something to him like you just you just don't need to be nervous about just going oh that seems really lame but that's kind of the best i've got it's like he's going to go i'm putting that on the windowsill that's what i'm doing That is like awesome In the classic Australian movie, The Castle. There's this thing which happens throughout the movie, and we're going to play a clip, because we are Australians. And so now I know what I'm talking about. Straight to the pool room. All right, let's play that clip now.
1: Another thing Dad loves is his boat, Sea Lady. He cleans it every Saturday with something else Steve built. It's a brush with a hose in it. Dad never stops marvelling at Steve's ideas. He's an ideas man, Steve. Steve gave it to Dad for Father's Day. That's something our family prides itself on. Presents. Come on, don't Even don't though none of us have a real lot of money, we love giving each other presents. Oh. He got a rotten reel from Trace. Rod and real. I gave him a new muzzle. A muzzle. Wayne sent him an ashtray he'd made in prison shop. An ashtray? But well, I don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and mum, well, mum got him a big German beer mug from Franklin Mint. Dad couldn't believe his eyes. It was too good to even drink beer out of. I'd like to do pottery. Oh you should. You'd be good at it. This is going straight to the pool room. All Dad's most prized possessions are in the pool room. All his mementos and things that remind him of something special. So by him saying it was going straight to the pool room meant that he thought it was special. That is a collector's item. This has been the best Father's Day ever. Of course there were ups and downs. Wayne being in jail was an example of a down. But all in all, Three Highview Crescent was a happy home. Dad called it his castle.
0: Screw eh? Let me put. This last point in Castle Speak. We don't have much. But because of Jesus, there is nothing stopping God from taking everything that we give to him and putting it straight in the room. Amen? And so you don't let the truth about what Jesus has done make you lame. It's it's meant to encourage you. Like some of you, I hope now are not. I, I don't want you to be thinking, "Oh, Jesus makes up for all my lack." It's like, no, just get after it and give your best, because it's going to the pool room. God's greater than great, isn't he? Just invite you to stand with me. I'll, I'll pray. Who would have thought who would have thought that a God so holy and righteous and great would stick with us after we turned on you who would have thought who would have thought that he would send messengers prophets to call his people back to being faithful to him who would have thought who would have thought that you would have taken on human flesh and walked with sinners for 33 years and surrendered to them be killed on a Roman cross. Who would have thought you would rise again three days later? Who would have thought that you would offer forgiveness and cleansing and life to all? a matter of status nationality who would have thought well we thank you that it's not a new thing for you that you've been like that all the way along and it's just taken us a little while to get to know you as being that kind of God and so we we say to you today In our hearts by taking communion, we say corporately today that we think you are greater than grace. Amen.